So if you go to your why and you go back to why you started and how you came up with the the idea of it, then also think about then what is it? Like, what is the it? What is the product? What is the category? What is the thing that people need? Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we're dedicated to helping product-based business owners turn into revenue-generating, successful, happy product bosses. I'm Jacqueline Snyder. And I'm Mina Kunlosita. Together through digital courses, coaching, and masterminds, we've helped over 50,000 students from startup to multi-million dollar businesses scale their sales while blending in their dream life. It gets lonely out there in the product business world. We fully believe a business shouldn't be built alone. There's room at the top for all of us. So let's get scrappy and creative together, Product Boss, to be profitable, make more sales, and grow your visibility. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hey there, friend. Can you believe that the summer is already starting to wind down? It always feels like summer is never long enough, right? And that's exactly why it's so important to make the most of the remaining summer days we have left. Now, as a product boss, you're probably wondering about the best way to do that, especially as we're about to head into our busiest season yet. Now, the answer lies in embracing AI. The latest research reveals that marketers have been able to cut their work time on manual admin tasks in half with the help of AI. I know. Wow. Mind blown. So if you're a product-based business owner wearing all the hats and constantly feeling like there's never enough time in the day, imagine what having your time on those marketing tasks could actually mean for you and your business. That's why HubSpot has integrated AI tools directly into their CRM platform, which features things like ChatSpot and Content Assistant. With a straightforward chat-based command, You can summarize research, create copy, and pull reports in seconds. This means you can spend more of your precious time on things like making your products and shipping and serving your customers. It's time to start working smarter, not harder, product boss. Learn more and get started at HubSpot.com. Hey, product bosses. It's Jacqueline here, and we are back for another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. So today I'm doing a solo episode, and I want to dig into startup product-based businesses. So if you are not a startup, still listen because you're going to pick up some tidbits because what I see is a lot of times some of these stages are are skipped as we're on our journey to create our product-based businesses. But you all know that I am an expert at building profitable product-based businesses. I help people make and sell products and market them. And I've been doing this since 2007. And so I have coached thousands of one-on-one clients. I have coached thousands of our students um, in Multistream Machine and in our community. And I wanted to bring some of that to you here today. Because one of the biggest obstacles I hear when we talk about discovering your best seller... And we talk about, because you hear us talk about this a lot as like the foundation to a lot of the success of our students is really going off of Pareto's principle, which is the 80-20 rule, that 80% of your revenue can come from 20% of your products. Okay. So 80% of your your revenue can come from 20% of your efforts. So there's so many of you out there, especially our friends that sell on... um, Etsy that have hundreds, if not thousands of SKUs that they're trying to sell because that's the game that Etsy plays. But that's also 
something that will burn people out quick, that will cost a lot of money. And so when we start to talk about bestsellers and we do this in our challenges, so whether we did this in our More Eyes Challenge boot camp that we just did, or whether we're doing it in our Rock Your Holiday Promotions Challenge or Bestseller Secrets Challenge, we talk about the 80-20 rule. And we want you to look at your top 20% of your best performing products to help you start to identify your best sellers on your best platforms. So if that makes sense to you, or you can pick that up and and move forward with it, let's do that. But where we get some pushback and where we get the questions are from people who are new to business or they've been in business a while, but they haven't sold anything. I'll always hear somebody who says like, well, I've only ever sold five things and they're all different things. So how can I define my bestseller? Or um, I've just started. I haven't sold anything yet. How should I know my bestseller? Or I am starting out. I have no data to pull from. How could I ever identify my bestseller? And so if this sounds like you, or if you haven't been through our challenge, or you have been through our challenge, but you want a little bit of a refresher and you want to go about thinking about this in a different way, stick with me in this this short, sweet, but great episode that's going to really hopefully highlight some things and bring some clarity to you. So when we're talking about businesses that don't have data, okay, you don't have data yet. You don't know because you haven't sold very much. And you're like, I don't know what to look at. Or um, I'm I'm new at this. And so I haven't sold anything yet. Or I've only sold five and they've been five different things. Then I want to back you all the way up into how I would coach startup companies that I've worked with. Now, remember, I am not only am I a product business expert and and I've started and launched and grown really fantastic product businesses of my own, and as a startup business, but I've also helped people that have made, you know, their first hundred thousand dollars being coached by me, their first five thousand dollars being coached by me, their first million dollars being coached by me. So I've helped businesses across the board. But if we go back to all the startups that I've worked with, and I and we talk about how to start a business, and most of you have very limited funds to start your business or to grow your business because product businesses cost money to start. Right? We need raw goods and materials and all the things, we have to decide on our niche. Okay. They say the niches are in the riches or the niches are in the reaches. I don't know. Niche, niche, however you want to say it. But you have to define what that is. So I tell this story a lot and I'm going to tell it again if you've heard it. Well, welcome back. But one of my clients that I worked with for a couple of years she was a woman that came to me. She was a professional. She had a full-time job and she'd been saving up money and she had a dream. She, she was five foot, 10 inches tall. And she had a dream of one day starting a clothing line for women that were 5'10 and taller. And now my best friend is 5'10. I totally understood the market and, and the things as we were growing up, like her challenges of finding shoes that fit, pants that were long enough, all the things. So she came to me and we talked about it. And I said, well, what do you want to make? And she said, well, I want to make tall women's clothing. Great. What kind of clothing? I want to make bathing suits. I want to make um, active wear. I want to make lingerie and pajamas. I want to make um, evening gowns. She wanted to make everything. She was building a big and tall store, right? She was like, there's the men's big and tall store. She was building a, a, a brand in her mind, but not in reality. Because in reality, because my next question was like, great. How much money do you have? 
how many millions and millions and millions of dollars do you have to create this brand? And she said, I have $20,000. I said, great. We can work with that, but we can't do all the things that you want to do initially. So I'm sure a lot of you out there are thinking the same way, right? You have a full-time job and you're pulling money off, off of, out of it and off of it to like try and invest into this dream that you have. You have a savings that you've decided a certain amount that you're going to pull from that and put towards this business and the stream that you have. There are ways that you are currently financing the dream business that you have. But I want to be so protective of your money and your dollars because it is so quick that we could run out of it, right? It is so quick to drain that bank when we are creating a product-based business because we start to make things and things cost money. It's not just a service business where we can jump online and jump on Instagram and say, I'm taking clients and start to sell service. This is something that costs money to um, design, develop, and produce, and then ship and sell and ship. So she said she had $20,000 and she had this idea. So I said, okay, we can work with $20,000. But we have to figure out really specifically what the need is of your customer and why they need, want, desire, or what problem it's going to solve for your customer for you to come out with a tall woman's something product. So as we dug into it, I gave her the pros and cons. I said, you know, evening wear is really expensive. The materials are really expensive. It's going to be really hard for you. Okay, cool. She's not going to do that. Swimwear. Okay, swimwear is fine. It's a seasonal product. you could try it. Do you really believe in it? She's like, no, not so much. I was like, so what do you really believe in? What do you think is the biggest need, want, desire, or would solve the biggest problem for tall women? And now author, I can hear you all saying it as you're listening to this episode. And it is pants. Pants are one of the biggest... I'm, I'm shorter actually. So same with me. Like I always have to get my pants hemmed. So vice versa, women who are 5'10 and taller or even 5'9 because the average fit model is 5'7". So oh, this woman is three inches taller than the average model that they're fitting apparel onto. Things are too short for her. So we said, great, pants. What kind of pants? She goes, well, I think jeans, denim. And I was like, okay, well, denim costs a lot of money. So we had to go back and forth and be like, denim's really expensive. Denim's expensive. The washes and all the things that you do to denim are expensive. It's with a $20,000 budget is not ideal. So what we worked it out to were active wear leggings. Think Lululemon, Athleta, Aloe, you know, activewear workout leggings that are also kind of loungewear now. I'm currently wearing a pair of activewear leggings as normal pants because, you know, where do I have to go? (laughs) Everywhere, but nowhere. So we decided activewear leggings. Amazing. We've come to a niche, right? We've figured out a problem to solve and a really big need in the market and a trend actually across like women's apparel where people were looking for pants. So we looked at that and we said, great, let's do this. And we came out with a limited number of styles. So when we talk about the the niche or you don't have any data, she didn't have any data, but she she was able to identify who her customer was and what their greatest, greatest need was or their greatest desire or their greatest want. She needed to fill a need, want, or desire, or she needed to solve a problem. And she was doing both. So then we said, okay. So it's activewear pants. And at that point, it was four styles. So four different styles, like a crop, one with pockets, a moto legging, I think a basic. And we also decided to just do it in black 
Because we knew all day, every day, black cells, right? Black pants and leggings and activewear sell. Way easier than if you sell a pop color like red or pink. Um, It's just an easier color to sell. I mean, all of us, I'll bet, have black leggings currently sitting in our closets or our drawers. And so it was more likely to succeed because we were coming out with a color that was uh, very popular, a best-selling color, without her having the data of what customers would buy, but knowing how consumers buy. Does that make sense? Hey friend, I'm just going to interrupt this episode really quickly as it's podcast recommendation time. This month, we're all about creator science hosted by Jay Klaus, which is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Creator science goes behind the scenes with today's top creators by learning how these creators make a living with their art and creativity. Creator Science helps you gain the tools and confidence to do the same. In one of his latest episodes, Jay interviews Tori Dunlap, the founder of Her First 100K, to help women fight financial inequity by giving women actionable resources to be better with their money. They discuss Tori's journey and how she went about being able to write her first book. It was such an inspiring episode. I'd love for you to take a listen. So... Listen to Creator Science wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the show. Hey, hey, product boss. Okay, it's your product biz coach here, Jacqueline, and I have a treat for you. So the other day, we got a message on Instagram from our friend, Lolly. Now, she's a product boss, and she was on the hunt for an easy-to-use inventory management software to keep track of her raw goods and what she had ready to sell. And guess what? We had an answer for her. Not only did we have a fantastic inventory management software to refer her to, but we also had a whole treasure chest of 308 other business tools and resources to make her product-based business easier to manage and more efficient to grow. And we have it for you as well. Now picture this, packaging and printing supplies, affiliate management, website and email software, legal resources, video and photo tools. Oh my, you name it, we've got it. And here's the cherry on top. It is totally free, right? It's not going to cost you a single penny. That's right, because you can get your hands on the Product Boss's Ultimate Resource Guide absolutely free. We are on a mission to change small businesses' lives and their ability to grow around the world. And whatever we can do to help you do that, we are here for it. And so we're hoping that this resource guide is one step closer to reaching your dreams. So all you need to do is slide into our DMs on Instagram with the word guide and just send us that message and we will send you a link to download it right away. Or you can head straight to theproductboss.com slash resource guide. Easy peasy. Oh, and did I mention you can also DM us guide on Instagram and voila, we'll shoot you that link right away. So my friend, don't wait another second. You can get your hands on the ultimate resource guide for product bosses right now. Now let's jump back into the show. So black leggings, and that was not from data she had, but that was data of that you could get from friends, right? You could go to your friends and say like, hey, show me your closet. Um, Tell me what kind of leggings do you buy? Um, If you were to be able to select by colors, would you buy navy? Would you buy black? Like you can source data from your friends and your family 
or from people that would be similar to your customers. So let's say you're, you're a mom and you have mom friends, you can ask mom friends, right? So you can always source this information from people or you can go look and see what they actually have. Um, and so that was the thing. We were black leggings for tall women that were active, but we had four different styles and that's where the trend and the variation came in. Does that make sense? So if you don't have the data, I want you to look at the who you're selling it to, really solidly identifying your customer and your customer's greatest needs or wants or desires or a problem that your product can solve. And then you go deep into a limited category versus trying to make and be everything to everyone. So I'm going to say this, I'm going to give you a couple other examples of some students that we've recently worked with that are product-based business owners. There is somebody who wanted to make um, skincare, like uh, face creams and oils and all that. And now they were making skincare and they're like, well, I can make everything, right? Like, am I making under eye cream? Am I making face cream? Am I making oils? Like, what am, what am I doing? And they can make everything. So if you don't have data and you're trying to figure out, well, what is the greatest problem you can solve? Or what customer do you relate to the most? Or that you have a formulation or an idea for solving a problem that you don't know that already exists out there. So we have a student that can help people with sunspots and dry skin. And so the formulation she has is really good for dry skin and for sunspots. And so she may not have any data, but instead of saying, I'm making an entire thing of all the things, she can then make product and thinking about what people use the most of, like what's a popular product. They can go to Sephora and ask questions. They can ask again, their friends like, Hey, um, do you have serums? Do you use lotions? Like use cleansers. They can go look and see what people buy more of or consume. And then they can decide, okay, am I going to come out with just like a small product lineup or like a regimen for skincare? So if it were me and I was like, I know how to solve the problem of hyperpigmentation or sunspots and dry skin, then I would come out with a dry skin regimen and I would find the best three to five products that I could create in a regimen that you would want to be bought together to solve a dry skin issue and vice versa for sunspots, which might be like vitamin C formulations. I would come out with a three to five piece like product offering to solve that problem. So then the category is, you know, skin care. The products are really focused on a solution or a problem, like a solution to a problem. Does that make sense? So we have a student in multi-stream machine and she was making all sorts of products, but she saw that her body oils were her best sellers, but she was making a whole bunch of different products. So she came out with like 20 to 30 different products as a part of her natural skincare product line. And then as she started getting out there, she was like, oh, these body oils are doing really well. They're really liking the scents and they're really liking the oils. So if we were to back her up to the beginning of time and say, you know, instead of you coming out with 20 to 30 different SKUs of products, when you're coming out with this, well, the why, I want to ask all of you as you're listening to this, why? Why did you start this this business? Why did you create your product? Because you could have created anything. You could create iPhone covers, tumblers, candles, wooden signs, um, furniture, 
custom one of a kind art pieces, right? Like each of you have started, you know, a bakery that makes cakes. Each of you have started a business in a specific category for a reason. Is it that you have a talent and you're an artist and you like to paint pictures of nature and you're like, I could sell these? Are you someone who saw a need and you were like, you know, I think that like we really need, it was like my Cuffs Couture, the product line I started, where I hated taking a purse. I would go dancing with my friends and I didn't want to wear a purse on my shoulders. So I was like, all I need is my credit card, my key to the car. Our phones weren't that big. So I think those ended up like, not, they were like shoved between like the wallet on my wrist. Um, and I just didn't want to bring a lot with me, right? So I came out with a product that solved a problem that I was having that I thought other people were having as well that didn't look sporty. So it could be that um, people are looking for a solution to a problem or a need and like what that is. And then I want you to get focused. So it's the, the but but let's go back. The why is why are you starting this business? Why are you creating a skincare company? What's drawing you to that? There must be a need in the market that you see that you're like, I can come out with skincare. I don't think we all just wake up one day and you're like, you know what? I'm going to go figure out the ingredients for skincare line. I don't really care about skincare, but I'm going to make it, right? Could be candles. And you're like, I haven't found the scents I want or the vessels or anything that represents my senses or the way that I want to live. And so why don't I go make that? A lot of times we see problems or we see holes in the market or gaps and we have a really fantastic idea to fill that gap. So when you can think about your why, don't go so broad with your why. Stick to your why and say, okay, I want to come a natural skincare for dry skin. And because I have this really good formulation I created for myself or I created for my mom or my sister, or whatever your story is that I created. And I was like, you know, because I, I couldn't find the skincare I needed or wanted. And I created this. And that was the beginning of my formulation. And that's how I then went on to do this. And I am an expert at dry skin. So if you go to your why and you go back to why you started and how you came up with the the idea of it, then also think about then what is it? Like, what is the it? What is the product? What is the category? What is the thing that people need? At one point I made jewelry. I've never talked about this on the show, but when I was actually in college, I was taking like leather rope and getting those um, seashells and like doing wire wrap with like stones. And I was putting them. And I also had these like um, stone cut roses and I would bead my own necklaces and I was selling them to friends, right? I was in fashion school, I think, and I was just selling them. And I really wanted to make jewelry because I loved like the crafty hobby part of it. And I think a lot of times too, we start with crafty hobbies. And it's the same thing, right? I didn't think about who is my customer. I wanted to make something for myself. And then people started telling me they really loved it. And then I started selling them off my neck, right? And I started being like, oh, I could make more of these. I could sell these. Let me see if I can get this into a store. I've actually completely forgotten about the story that I'm sharing with you right now. And I'm going to tell you a funny story about gluing my eyes shut just after I get the slot out. So so that was something where I was like, I'm a, I'm, I love to make. I'm a maker. I got inspired. I was like, let me make this. Let me go to a bead store. Let me buy all the elements. Let me make necklaces. And then people showed me that they wanted it. So that might be how a lot of you have fallen into your businesses also. And then you step back and say, okay, well, I can either get distracted and have people tell me, oh, you should make necklaces or you should make earrings and you should make bracelets. Or I could say, 
I am doing really well with my necklaces. I'm going to keep selling these necklaces. They're chunky. They're made out of natural stones. They're big statement pieces. And this is what I'm going to be known for. And then you try to then make that the offer. It's a test and try. It's a minimal viable product. It's the thing that you take to market and you try and sell it and you say, do people want it? You take it to stores. Do people want it? You show it to people. Are they leaning in? Are they ignoring you? Right? And that's how you start to discover your your minimal viable product and you test and try and test and try. And then when you figure it out, you get to grow with it. And you keep talking about it. You keep selling it. You don't get distracted and like, you know what? I finally figured out the necklaces people want, but now I'm going to make earrings. No. Keep trying to grow and sell the product that's already doing well. Distraction is going to kill your dreams and your business. It's going to kill your bottom line because you're going to be spending your money and developing all this new stuff versus staying focused. So I hope that this makes sense when we're talking about your... If you don't have the data or if you're a new business, how you can approach this idea of how do you find your niche or your category? How do you approach it? Or maybe you fell into it, but you can look back at it and say, okay, I started with necklaces. They're statement jewelry. People are attracted to them. They're asking me about them. Maybe I have something here. I'm going to keep going deep with this instead of going wide and getting distracted. And to get to the the eye gluing story, I remember being at my my best friend's house and we were making necklaces and I had super glue and I was gluing one of these, I think maybe a stone onto a shell, something. We're sitting on our couch watching probably Sex in the City or something like that. And um, I don't know, it was like a reflex or something because I was gluing and I got I got super glue on my finger and somehow immediately went to my eye and wiped it. Because <laughs> I rub my eyes a lot. And I glued my eyes, my eyelid shut because the glue got between both of my eyelids and stuck my eyelid shut. And thank goodness, this was my best friend who was in medical school at the time. And so I was like, oh, at least I'm with someone who's like going to be a doctor. <laughs> so she goes, don't move. So I glued my eyes shut. And she she runs over and tries to get like warm water to put on, but like warm water is not going to get super glue off your eyelids. Um, and so she called poison control. And poison control was like, this happens all the time. People, you know, yeah, take her to the doctor. So I had to go to the emergency room. So my eye was glued shut and they didn't want me to scratch my eye with like the dry glue, like my um, cornea and stuff like that. So she gets me to the emergency room and I wait there and I'm like waiting to go in. And then I eventually go in and I swear to God, they were laughing at me. I swear the nurses were laughing at me. And and we said, like, does this happen all the time? They're like, we've never seen this happen before. So we're like, but poison control said that happened. And they're like, no, we see people glue their hands to their jeans, things like that. But we've never seen someone glue their eyelids shut before. (laughs) This point, some of my eyelashes are ripping out. So part of my eye is opening up. And so they basically... I don't remember exactly how they opened it, but I do remember at some point I'm laying on a gurney with like a rubber contact in my eye with a like a clear tube attached to a saline bag and they were flushing my eye out and they lowered the lights and they said, we're going to leave you two alone for this. <laughs> and that is my story of gluing my eye shut while trying to start a jewelry business in college. Um, So I hope that that was fun for you. But anyways, that is like a super side tangent. 
Um, But in all my years of coaching businesses of all sizes, if you have to step back and look at your business, let's step back a little bit and find the niche. And if you're just starting out, don't get overwhelmed by not knowing your best seller. But if you approach it from this way, I think you're going to see success and you're going you're gonna to be focused and you're going to know what you're talking about. You're going to spend your money on the product that you are trying to sell and trying to push forward. And then you will start to see the results. But you will not have invested so much money into so many products that then you're like just out of money. You will have done this with thought and purpose. And then if you have to pivot, if you try and you follow what we teach you on the podcast, you're doing one of our programs and you try and it doesn't work, then we pivot and you've learned from what you've done already. Okay. I hope this episode was helpful. We'll see you in the next one. And um, thanks for going on this journey. And now you all know my fun eye gluing story. Okay. Bye friends. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us. 